Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. Um, I'm with my good friend and very familiar face of the show, and Jamie Winship. Jamie, how's it going, man? Great. So happy to be here with you. It's just, it's always a good time being with you. I'm so glad you're here, and I know I know we've got so many Jamie Winship fans watching right now. Uh, so I want to say hi to all my my brothers and sisters who are fans of yours and just following you all around. Uh, the internet. Um, <laughs> what I like to I like to say this with uh, with my family is going on a Jamie Winship binge. Do I have <laughs> yeah. any Jamie Winship bingers out there? Yeah, binge watching. Yeah, binge watching. So what we'll do, guys, is after the show, we'll link up a whole bunch of stuff that we've done with Jamie, so you can just go through a whole binge all throughout this season. How's that sound? That sounds fun. That sounds great. That sounds like a wonderful yeah. time. <laughs> uh, one thing that you know we really wanted to focus on today is i've heard you talk a lot about the intuitive mind yeah you know the intuitive mind in the relationship to the practical mind into rational yeah right it's rational intuitive yeah. rational can you just kind of give us a quick recap uh as to you know what those are yeah well, yeah, it's so uh, like one way to think about it, there's like several ways to think about it. But one way I love the quote that's attributed to Albert Einstein is when you think of the intuitive mind, the intuitive mind is the master and the rational mind is the servant. And 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 this is something we will talk about later. I know you and I have been talking about this before. Einstein said the intuitive mind is the master and the rational mind is the servant. So that tells you something about the relationship between the intuitive and the rational mind. They're not in opposition, but they have sort of distinct roles. And Einstein said, and maybe this will be part two about what we talk about, but we have made the master the servant. Mm, yep. Yeah. And this is and this has hurt us that we've made the intuitive mind the servant to the rational mind instead of the way it's supposed to be. So that's how I think of the intuitive mind as the overall, the sort of the higher level thinking, the prefrontal cortex, the the imaginative, visionary part of the mind, creative part of the mind. And it involves the whole mind, but we think of it more as the front brain, the the higher level of the brain, is the intuitive mind. How do we know that we're in that? You know, because I, I just, I feel like I know I want to be there, you know, but often I'm like, am I like, am I, is this intuition right now or where am I at? Or am I just being rational? Cause sometimes they could be similar. I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah. And they were, and they work together, right? That's the point. They work together. It's not like there's any big separation. It's kind of like the right brain, left brain, right? So the right brain, the right brain is the more the intuitive, more the, the, um, you know, life is good and we can, and we're eternal and that kind of part of the mind. And the left brain is more like, how do we get this done? You know, what do we do? Mm. Um, but they're not in opposition and they don't work completely separate. It's more like, and um, Sir John Gilchrist writes about this. He's probably the biggest expert on right brain, left brain research. And he says, it's not that they're independent, they're together. It's which one is your worldview? is the is the right brain your worldview and the worldview is life is good we're creatures of eternity we're it, the infinite game's more important than the finite game that's the intuitive mind and the and the uh, the left brain is more like okay in the infinite game what do we do today right and so so the intuition is way out there dreaming thinking and another way we were talking with um, public school faculty over the last few days and I was, I was talking about research that says that 
all thought is memory. All thought is memory, okay. mostly. So, um, so everything that I like, if I, if I go to open a door, I go to cook an egg, I'm only operating in memory, right? Everything that I've learned about all of that. And so, so much of our life is just memory, except, which would be rational and, oh yeah, we know to get this to happen, we do these things. Except how, what's the shift is when you shift into creativity, mm. which isn't based in memory, it's based in something thinking in the future. Still has the platform of memory because we can't do what we've never seen, but we're going to launch into something that hasn't been done yet. And so we have to dream, we say, we have to envision, we have to imagine the unseen true. Real. So when we're in the intuitive mind, is it always stuff that hasn't been done or because creativity can be, like you said, like combination of things that you've seen before. Right. It seems like a very interconnected thing. Totally. And yes. You've got to have both. That's right. You, yeah. Obviously, you can't to say, you know, we got to go into the intuitive. Would just That means nothing would ever really happen. There's a, there's a really famous TED talk by a neurologist who has a stroke. And I, uh, maybe we can give the, the folks that information yeah. later because yep. I can't think of her name, but it's a really famous podcast and it's about right brain, left brain. And she has a stroke in her apartment. And so she knows what's happening to her. Have you, have I've you heard? Yep. Yep. And, and she knows that the stroke has occurred in her left brain because she can't like she she she's trying to do the she knows I, I need to call a doctor but she can't get her rational mind can't put it all together but because her right brain is functioning so free of the left brain she doesn't care <laughs> she, she's like the, it's like her left brain is going we're going to die and her right brain is like you never die you can't <laughs> die it's like this very beautiful um so it's like they've separated briefly to where her whole view of everything that's significant is only the right brain. And so it's very eternal and and looking into the future and things like there's more than just this, there's more in life. So if I say to a person, um, it, like, um, you know, you're, you're, you fall in love with someone and, you, and you're like imagining being married, mm. that's the intuitive. It's based in your understanding of what marriage might look like from your past which may be good or bad. So, but when you imagine it forward, you're not bringing all the bad into it unless you're, unless you're a pessimist, but you're imagining marriage in, that hasn't been yet. So, okay. Cause I, I know a little bit of my tendency, you know, sometimes that can feel to me a little bit like anxiety. So like I'm <laughs> imagining, you know, not like I'm imagining you know, the bad things. So like I'm in right. the intuitive brain, yeah. I'm projecting forward. Uh, and then I, you know, you feel anxious versus, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, the sure. intuitive brain you're talking about is, you know, one of abundance, one of, um, the world works for me. Yes. You know? Yeah. So how do you, how do you kind of juggle that? Wow. And I think we might be into session two with that one, but <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Of course you have to think that. Yeah. So, so first think, let, let, let's, let's think about, well, what is the intuitive mind in a healthy doing what the intuitive mind do, does so well, which is envision and imagine and innovate okay. like all of that, like it's doing it. that. And, and so, um, 
the the word that's really interesting about this how the intuitive mind is working is is the word pioneer actually mm, love it. it's a so the intuitive mind is for pioneering and the the word to pioneer the the greek word to pioneer means it means first cause to be the first cause of something so it's not it's not something that's a secondary or tertiary cause it's like pioneering is the first cause um and so so if i if we're doing a pioneering work we're doing work that's that's grounded in memory but it's going into areas where we don't know what's going to happen mm. and so we're predicting or we're envisioning and i think this is something else who said this kepler i think the physicist kepler said if i hadn't seen it i would have never believed it in other words in his mind he was envisioning elliptical orbit even though he they couldn't see it physically or practically with the rational mind but he was envisioning elliptical orbit and so how does a person know i'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to prove this thing that's unproven it's because somewhere they're envisioning it as true and they're moving forward to it as true now you're right what if i envision the future as disastrous will i it, i won't move forward and that's what we want to talk about got it got it <laughs> but if i'm if the intuitive mind is moving as it is is built in the human to move it's interested in first causes it's interested in pioneering new things and so so that's that's really the gift of the human mind is not only its ability but its longing to ascend and transcend where where it is so kids very early on you know you almost have to teach them to come down and be here because their minds are all up in the mythic and the magical as they develop and then they'll they'll develop the rational but but they you want to develop the rational in the right as the servant to the imaginative not like okay now get rid of the imaginative and let's all be rational this is this is what hurts us actually so the goal the beauty of the intuitive mind is to is to for is to take humans who are in a situation and say how can we be better how can we go forward how how can we figure out the challenges in front of us and together let's go resolve them it's very beautiful and it causes when when people are pioneering when civilizations are developing and it's dependent on pioneering they band together very tightly and they they'll go through all kinds of hardship and failure for what they envision is ahead of them. It's mm. very beautiful. It's a very powerful drive. And the emotion that you feel when you're pioneering in the truth of who you are, which is what we've talked about before, when you're in that pioneering mode, the emotion is joy. It's enthusiasm. Mm. You, you, there's this sense of joy, like we're doing something. This is significant and it's important. It's not routine. It's not mundane. We are being the first cause of things in our life. I've got so many questions, <laughs> um, but the two words I like ascend and transcend. What does that mean? Is it ascend? It just go up. Mm -hmm. Transcend to me means change. Yeah, or go beyond. Okay, one is to, to to keep going to higher levels, and one is to even go beyond what we know. Ascend upward, transcend is to go beyond it. And to pioneer means to be causal. Right. So to be causal and um, like, how do we, 
how do we put ourselves in that position yeah. at all times? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we're, that we're aiming to be causal and, uh, mm-hmm. y- okay. Answer that. And, okay. then, and then we'll, so that's funny. So, so think if, think if you guys, you should performance medicine, you should have a shirt that says just be causal. Yeah. I lo- I right. Love Instead I love of just because that's what we say, just because well, it's just because it is what it is. That's not causal to be causal is the difference between two words, the difference between the word react and respond. Causal people never just react to something. If you're going to just going to react, you're just going to self protect and self promote to what happened. If you're being causal, something will come. So you'll inter- in, encounter some challenge or problem or something like that. And you'll respond to it, not react to it. So you, you, react is just to do the same act again. An act is committed on me. I reacted on you. This is called war. Usually (laughs) respond is like something happens and you go, wow, what is another way to, how should I think about? And, and, and that, that right brain jumps up there and goes, wow, we're we're in this for the long term. We're in it for the good of all people. How would I respond? How, how would I become the cause of a new thing happening here? Mm. So just a practical example of that. One of my friends who works in foreign policy stuff, um, asked a question, just a hypothetical question. But if you were in a room with someone like Putin Mm -hmm. in the situation that he finds himself in, what would you say? Right. And so a reactionary person would take a side probably and either, you know, yell at him or say, go get him or whatever. But (laughs) but a causal person will say, okay, what? First of all, how did this, how did we come to this? Which very few people ask, like, wait a minute, how did we end up like this was a good idea at all ever? That's a huge, what caused this to happen? And then how do we become the cause of this not happening again? Which means we don't have an answer for that. We have to innovate or create a new way of handling foreign policy. And those are hard people to find. Because most people are trained like this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, which is just to react. It's, it's, you know, the opposite of formulaic, which, which you've talked a lot about. And it's, it seems you're, you're in this creation mode. What are, what are some questions you ask yourself that puts you in the intuitive? Is it in any situation that you're in, Mm -hmm. you talk, you, you're talking to yourself or, you know, talking to God, Mm -hmm. um, asking questions. Mm -hmm. What's, what's kind of the process there? Well, I think even, even before that, so what, 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 um, what causes a person to have an opportunity to be causal is typically a barrier or an obstacle. It's what, it's what instigates like, oh, what are we going to do about this? Otherwise, you know, we're going along in life. It's okay. Things are going. This isn't like every day I got to be causal. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's because this is a, you just, that isn't how we operate. It's like, no, we figured out, you know, we figured out how to live and we're doing this. Um, but then we'll hit a challenge. Like, like it could be like, you know what? I, I feel like I want to take my career to another level or a different direction or I feel like the relationships I'm in aren't really everything that could be. So when you hit a, some kind of obstacle or challenge or barrier, the successful negotiation or navigation of that barrier, if you react, you just keep hitting the barrier Yep. in frustration and anger and it gets more conflict or you quit 
Those are two disastrous ideas. But you hit the bear, you recognize it. Okay, I'm gonna, innovation and, and the intuitive mind. The intuitive mind is nonviolent. The intuitive mind is completely nonviolent. The intuitive mind doesn't come up with conflict as an answer to anything ever. So, so you hit the barrier and then you'll back up as a human being. This is the ascending. I'm going to ascend and transcend this challenge. Love so the, it. Right. And so the way you're going to do it is you're going to back up. You're going to admit it like, wow, we don't know what to do here. Like, let's just tell the truth. Education system's bad. We actually don't know what to do. We can't keep pouring money into it. Like these are just every practical examples. Is it getting better? No. Is anyone going to tell the truth that it's not? No. <laughs> right? So we're just going to react, 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 blame, blame, blame. But so we're going to back up in any situation, little thing that happens in my little life, private life or something significant and major or whatever. So you back up and this is what you have to, you have all innovators do this. They'll back up and they'll contemplate. They'll go into a state of contemplation and the state of contemplation is how did it make me feel when I hit that barrier? Did I pull false identity out of the fact that I failed at that? Like that is healthy and that's not the rational mind can't do it. This is, this is the intuitive creative, the very human, human part of you and you're not reacting, you're responding. So, okay, I hit that barrier. Okay, wow. So I'm going to go in and meet with educators and say, okay, here's the test scores that we saw nationally. Okay, we don't, this is not acceptable. So, okay, so, all right. So first of all, how does this make us feel as humans that this is the result? Does it make us feel like failures? We need to get rid of this because if we don't get rid of this, part two of our talk, we'll never <laughs> ascend and transcend, never. We'll get stuck in there. So you're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to, the question is way up here, not down in the fear-based mind, way up in the front. Okay. How did we get here? We're not accusing anyone. Like, how do we get here? Let's just tell the truth. Okay. Now what's the way out? So you back up, you contemplate what's, how did we get here? What kind of thinking got us here? Einstein says this too. The thinking that got us here is not going to get us out. <laughs> that's really important to just say in the group and it pushes everyone out of the fear-based mind just to, okay all right we all agree we all agree with that okay so so we need another way to think about this in order to resolve this and tra transcend and ascend this barrier in order to innovate so the contemplation part is the intuitive mind going into action. And it's a very beautiful, calming process with people. I love that. And because I've, I've also, I've read about like separating a little bit from um, the whole idea be between reaction and responding yeah. is the ability to pull back. Yeah, step back. And when right. you step back, that automatically puts you into the intuitive yeah because you're contemplating mm -hmm. you're able to but then when do you go back to the rational so like what does that dance look like yeah. it's like mm -hmm. just like i guess with the question about okay we all agree the with god thing like what's that back and forth like yeah so so let's take another uh, another example so like we have the holidays coming up we have thanksgiving and all that coming up and so let's say uh, last year at Thanksgiving, I got in there with my family and it was a disaster for, for whatever reason. There's pain in the family, there's political conflict, there's religious, con whatever it is. Okay, so that's a problem. That's an issue. And typically when I get into that scenario, even before I get there, I'm worked up. I'm you know, like right like that. So we can talk about 
real ways to walk through that. But so the intuitive is to like back up and go, okay, what, what am I, what is, what am I so freaked out about in this situation? Do I have to win an argument? Do I feel like they think I'm stupid? Like that, like that con contemplative part. It's like, what is it? How does it make me feel? Where did I learn to feel like that? Now, where did I learn that I'm not as smart as anyone else? Or why do I believe that stuff? Okay. And so then in the intuitive mind, you're like, okay, what would it look like? So now I'm into what hasn't happened yet. Yep. I'm into the future. I'm into envisioning the future. Now I already can imagine the future as going to be the same as last year. <laughs> like, and so then my only options are go, go and fight it out or don't go anymore. Both are horrible. Um, but don't know. Okay. So what happens if I go in my true identity and I'm settled in my mind and I don't get my identity from them? what would that look like? And I'm just imagining it and envisioning it. Mm. And I'm, and I start to believe it before it's there. Yeah. Right. This is called faith. Faith is a substance of things you hope for the evidence of things not seen yet. So everyone operates in this. That's any kind of innovator or creator. And so then I envision it. Now I'm up in the intuitive forward, very thing. And I'm going to ascend and transcend this, fight that always happens every year or this feeling like I'm stupid or poor or something. I'm, I'm envisioning it that differently. That's, that's intuitive. That's right brain. And now, okay, what are the steps I'm going to take to make that happen? Left brain. Here we go. Rational. Got it. Yes. It totally makes sense. Right? So the rational is coming up with the, the, the steps. We're putting the rational to work. Got it. The intuitive is the is the master saying, this is what it's going to look like when we do this. Oh yeah. Okay. Now let's do it. I love and, that. And the thought process is really interesting. Like every sixth of a second, this, these thoughts are going back and forth between, you know, the assessment and the, but, but when it shifts over, it shifts over to the left brain for administration, the thought slows way down because the intuitive's quick. The intuitive can get to the goal like that and yeah. see it. Yes. That, but the rational slows it down and said, okay, to figure out how to prove elliptical orbit, we can see it up in the intuitive. There it is. And it, and it resonates with our identity and we're pioneering. And then it's like, okay, what, what, how can I prove to this person that elliptical orbit is in fact real and true? It's going to take five years of work. <laughs> right. Or it's going to take, I got I'm going to have to like develop boundaries when I talk with my family at Thanksgiving or right. And then you just right. start working out a rational plan, but it's not reactionary. It's very much responding to the challenge, to the innovation that the intuitive minds come up with to overcome, transcend and ascend beyond a problem. Is this like a muscle? Is oh it, yeah. Oh you know, yeah. You know, because I, I think a lot of us, you know, probably feel like, well, you know, I've always been told that I'm more, you know, left brain, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. right handed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm good at math. Right. You know, is that like kind of walk us through retraining ourselves on how to start believing that we can be creative too. Yeah. So this, again, I think this is where Sir Gilchrist is right when he talks about it's not right brain, left brain, your right brain, your left brain, all that, all that stuff. It's all of it together. But one of them dominates the worldview, the perspective. And so what we could say like the West, the, the West, all of the West is civilization is very left brain worldview, okay. <laughs> which yep. means we elevate the rational as the most 
the most important or scholarly way to look at the world, right? So even though both, both the, our whole brain is working together all the time, if we reward and measure, if we live our life based on measurements, then you have to go left brain because only the rational can be really measured out. Like here's the test score you got. Here's the result of what happened. Whereas the right brain is all the immeasurable, all the beautiful immeasurable things about the human that are that need to drive everything and then measurement comes out of it. But so if I'm growing up in a world where I'm evaluated on what did you produce, what's your test score, what school did you go to, the temptation is to just be forced into the left brain and live there your whole life. Because no one, everyone, well, the other night I had a dream and I was like, we don't care about your dream. We don't care about joy. What we care about is, did you achieve this goal in this amount of time? It pushes you over into the left brain. So what you can do is practice right brain thinking. Mm. You can just practice it and develop it. And it's it's so beautiful and fun to do. It's beautiful because it's the higher level of a human thinking. The rational, you know, the rational is just like, how do I put this amazing idea to work? But what's ha the reason I, you know, this is my opinion, but the reason our education system is struggling so much is because we've just kind of thrown out the intuitive and just focused on the rational. And so you're really just working with a part of the person. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, it just feels to me like it's a matter of who's, which part of you is leading the conversation. Exactly, right. You know, they're yes. both there. Like, to have a conversation, you need two or more people, you know, and there's a conversation happening between the rational and the intuitive, and it's just a matter of, like, who's the boss. Right. You That's know, exactly right. Who's leading that project. That's, right. That's exactly right. And uh, I think so many of us, you know, can kind of fool ourselves you know, okay, we're, we feel like we're in the, the intuitive, but the rational is actually guiding this That's conversation. Right. Because right. we don't even, we can't even tell. Yeah. Uh, honestly, we can't even, we're so into the rational. We can't even, we can't even tell. And we've, and you know, intentionally or unintentionally, we've kind of dismissed the intuitive as like, oh, it's just goofy. You know, that's just dream world thinking. Um, the intuitive without the rational is just dream world thinking, but the intuitive as master and rational as servant, it's so beautiful. And then you live in that causal kind of framework. And so it's yeah. interesting. You can't, a person who lives in the intuitive with the, with the rational in subjection to the intuitive, it's very hard to threaten them, bully them. Who lives in the intuitive? Who live in the intuitive because they're, be, they, they're transcending that low level of, oh, I get my identity from what you think. They're not live. They don't live there anymore. It's like I'm. I'm. It's like it's like you know. It's like you're in turbulence and you just fly up above it. So our our automatic needs to be intuitive. We're on intuitive. That's where we're driving, and then I think, yeah. we 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 go down to the rational to make the intuitive make it happen yes because you can't live in dream world all the time no nope. you know but right. you but you live in dream world and you come back down to make the dream world happen that's right yeah i, I love that yeah and i mean it, we, when you go back and read you, you know like philosophers and re, and you know guys like einstein and kepler and and um even newton they're saying things like the intuitive mind is it cuts through all of the nonsense because it, it's not held and bound 
by restriction and boundary. And so we talked about this before. One of my friends who's an engineer, he holds up, you know, he holds a pen in his hand and he, and he re relaxes himself until he's almost asleep, but, he, but he'll drop the pen if he falls asleep and it wakes him back up because he wants to get to that place where his rational mind can't control. <laughs> and, he has to, and it's, it's really, you know, it's funny. Um, another whole thing we could talk about, but the rational mind has to work in this certain state of consciousness, you know, in these very strict parameters. And so when you go into contemplation or meditation or prayer or whatever, it's an altered state of consciousness. That's what you're doing. And so a lot of, when you're reading like, um, ancient manuscripts, the Bible, the Quran, Eastern literature, when they're talking about altered states of consciousness, what they mean is we're just going beyond the rational. That's all they mean. <laughs> so when you have a dream at night and you, and you, you know, I have other friends that'll ask, they write questions down by their, lots of people do this. It's interesting. They'll write a problem they're thinking through down on their bedside and they'll read it and then they go to sleep. I love it. Right? Yep. And so what they're doing is like in their rational mind, they can't figure it out because they run into too many confines, <laughs> real or invented. But when you go to sleep, those move away. And then the, then the wholeness of who you are gets to participate in the question. <laughs> and it goes beyond what you know as a possible solution. I've, uh, I've also read that, that people, if you're writing a book, you always kind of stop mid-thought and so, so then while you sleep, uh, it'll, it'll keep going Exactly. and it'll go into the intuitive. Right. And so can we practice that? Uh, of course we can. I feel like we can practice it all the time. All the time. You yeah, know, and time. having that, you know, um, going from the intuitive to the rational, right. which is to me is like just such a beautiful dance. It's so, it's so balanced and gorgeous. And so, and yeah, you can actually have this m sort of metacognition going on where you, where, you know, remember your mind doesn't think you, you think your mind, right? The real you, the mind, your mind is a part of the real you and the real you is, can determine where your mind goes. Rational right? or intuitive. Or intuitive. And you can feel it. You can say, you know, wow, I need to be in the intuitive now. I'm like way down too far in the rational. Mm. And you can make a decision to do it. And so like I was in a meeting the other day and we were reviewing some work we had done, some outside people were reviewing our work. And so when they got to the, you know, to the critique, which is, which is in my view, not a good strategy, but it's one of the, we can talk about that another time. But <laughs> um, anyway, so they said they, they were talking about a part I did and they said, we think this part should be taken out. And so right when they said that, I can, I begin this conversation with myself and my conversation is how did that make you feel right now? They're going on with the meeting and I'm in the meeting and I'm paying attention, but now I can be inside of them. How did it make you feel that they just took that out? Interesting. This is the healthy, I'm not going to react to them, but I'm going to, I want to know. That's the contemplation part. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and I was writing notes to myself and that made me feel like I didn't do a good job. How does that make you feel? That makes me feel like I'm not as good as them. Mm. Okay, what are you going to do about that? And and I wrote to myself, don't be passive aggressive on this. Interesting. <laughs> like I'm having that meta narrative going on. It is that's what humans can do so well when they're healthy. Say that word again before the meta what? Met, so it's metacognition or meta narrative. It's like this conversation that's going on inside of me while this conversation's going on. If that's a healthy conversation, just think about how the rest of your life is going to be. That's right. Because really that is your life. Right. In, in, a, in a real way. And you have, you're the one that decides 
what comes out of this meeting, not what they decide. And here's the meta narrative that is going on in people most of the time. You're not as good as them. And it just ends right there. And we go, I know. Yeah, I think I think the I can tell when I'm in the rational when um, I have limited beliefs, you know, like they're limited thinking, <laughs> yep. you know, but again, what's what happens to me so often, and I'm sure some people can relate, is you just stay there. Right. You know, like <laughs> it's fine if you go back up. Right. You know, but what you end up doing is you get caught, just you stick with the, the rational right. and you never go back up. Wait, let me give you one more example of this. I know we might be running out of time, but so when we, so when we worked, we worked in the West Bank. You know, it does, and I'm not talking about anything political about this. This is just kind of the reality of the situation there. And so the Palestinians inside certain areas, there's a 35-foot wall around their neighborhood, and they can't leave. And so when you go to talk to young men and women that have you know grown up with, with a 35-foot wall around them their whole life, and they can't leave, they can't go anywhere, they, you know, their view of life is they get their identity from that wall. And all they can tell you is where the wall is and where they, I, we can go that far and can't go any further. We can go that far. That's the rational mind. Mm. It's a wall and it's, it's, it's not unhealthy. It's, it's healthy. It's saying, you know, don't, you can't do this. But, but so when we're talking to those students, we're like, they're like, so, but if you look high, look up, look higher than 35 feet, what do you see? This wide open sky. That's the intuitive. And you can't live by looking at that wall but you can live inside the wall looking at that sky, mm. but this is where your mind has to be in the sky. And as soon as they make that shift, they start to dream about being beyond that wall. And that's when they start to discover legal, healthy ways to get beyond the wall. And they go. I love that. I, I, I really do. Because I think I also, I heard a quote recently around um, often constraint is the mother of innovation. So like sometimes you need that constraint yes. yeah, it's the, yeah. to go up. Right. You, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. Right. You run into a wall. That's right. You run into a wall. Right. So the constraint is almost the thing that redirects you. You know, you're trying to you're trying to ascend and transcend. You got the barrier, then you got to go up. That's right. That makes so much sense, and actually. It, right. And and then so when you so then if you're in that lifestyle of like I'm not surprised by barriers. I'm not surprised by obstacles. And when I hit them, I see them as, oh, this is going to force me to rethink. I'm not going to be able to go this way. So what's the other way to go? And this is what keeps us healthy and alive and makes us grow. And so in that scenario, you start to count it as joy when you hit the barrier. Like, yay, a barrier. Yes, yes, because that automatically puts you up and you know that, man, this is going to this is gonna bring up something inside of me that I didn't even know was there. Right. You know, I love that. I think that's such a cool thing. And, and I know we got to go, but I want to ask you one more time about being causal. And it feels like if we, if we find that, I heard you one time just give this talk around just running. Mm -hmm. You find that thing and you just go, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. and, and it was so inspiring. And I, I just felt, um, I felt like you were talking to me is like you find, is that, is that what the intuitive mind does when you're in that causal and you, you just run? Yeah. You'll see the doorway. You'll see the way through. And then, and we'll talk about this next time maybe, but you run through, you run that as hard as you can. You 110%, you don't do it until you discover it. But when you see it, you go, 
in discovering comes up in the intuitive. Intuitive. You'll see it there. And then down in the rational, you run. <laughs> I love it. We'll end there, man. Dude, man, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks Guys, for having me. Guys, Jamie Winship, uh, continue the Jamie Winship binge uh, <laughs> as I will. Uh, but anyways, we'll link every everything down uh, in the description below with our other conversations with Jamie. And uh, Jamie, as always, I, I hope I can get you back on the show. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. Thanks. Right, thank man. you. Guys, this has been Outside the Box. We've been with Jamie Winship today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.